welcome back to another episode of Rebel with a Cause. I'm your host, Eric. And let's just get into it. Um, frustrating week. Frustrating week. Um, really busy at work. So not a whole lot of time to uh, set up guests and everything. Uh, last guest, Donnie Gebert, actually had to come to me, which was uh, kind of sweet. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. It's over two hours. It's one of my longest interviews yet. Um, but got some good reaction to it. Uh, people will seem to like it. So uh, there you go. But uh, this episode is going to be another one of those like little news roundup episodes. And so now we're just going to go right into uh, what everyone else has been talking about, the Afghanistan Papers. Yeah, so right here from the, uh, the Washington Post uh, and their uh, cover story here, At War With The Truth. A lot of stuff goes in to this this news story. I highly recommend uh, everyone give it a read because there's a lot of parts to it. Basically, from what I've read of it, it seems to jive quite a lot with uh, Scott Horton's book, uh, Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan. And this only kind of cements what he talks about in that book. Just kind of going through it, there's a lot of... Senior U.S. officials failed to tell the truth about the war in Afghanistan through the 18-year campaign, making rosy pronouncements they knew to be false and hiding unmistakable evidence the war had become unwinnable. Color me shocked. The government lied about a war? No way. Why, next thing you'll say is that they've been lying about every war since the, the Spanish-American War in the 1890s, which is kind of what happened. There's even been uh, recent things uh, going into the War of 1812 and the Revolutionary War that don't really jive with the truth. So now we have to kind of go into the, who does this benefit? Cui bono. Well, it certainly enriches the military-industrial complex. Certainly has enriched the surveillance state. We get told every day, oh, hey, by the way, y'all can't be trusted. That's why we have to track, trace, and database everything that you do and say. So it all goes along with this. Yeah, definitely give it a read. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes down below. You know, And it's got interviews. There's several parts to this, a couple of videos in there. It's a big time. This is a big, this is a big deal. Okay, now to all of us who've been paying attention to this sort of thing, and I kind of go back to what I was talking about with Monica Perez and Edward Snowden. These aren't revelations that anyone who's been paying attention will be surprised by. I'm not shocked that there's been lies told about this war. I'm not going to be shocked when they do the same thing with Iraq. There was lies told about that war to get us in, in, at war with them too. You know, there's a, a lot of quotes in here from President Bush, Donald Rumsfeld, the whole gamut. People really need to go through here and read this. I think, it, I think it's important, especially your Fox News watching aunts, your CNN watching uncles, because all they do is take in mainstream sources all day long. That are just downright complicit in all this garbage. I don't. I don't even know what to tell you at this point, other than told you so. I, I have to be that guy. This is the type of thing that um, empires fall. You know, take a look back at Rome. Overextended. Started doing crazy, stupid things towards the end. <laughs> and even as an empire, you and I don't benefit from it in any kind of way. We just get more taxes taken out of our salaries. Pay more at the grocery store, pay more at the pump, have the purchasing power of the dollar just stripped away. Police in this country have become something else entirely. No more of this myth of officer friendly who's there to serve the public. Now it's a step on the public 
circle the wagons when they call us on it. It all goes back to empire. That's what this is. Military bases in over 900 countries around the world. I'm sorry, got that backward. (laughs) Over 900 military bases in over 100 countries around the world. Why? I mean, you can't look at it as a sane person and say, oh, well, you know, we got to fight them over there so we don't fight them over here. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. And if you want to take a deep dive into these Afghan papers, that's the, that's the place to start right there. Craig Whitlock, December 9th, 2019. That's what everyone's been talking about this week. Washington Post article. So, yeah, definitely go down. Get all of it. Read it all. And I'm pretty sure all the rest of the podcasters and everything are going to be talking about it this week and next. But this is the, uh, the price we pay for living in a civilized society, right? Absolutely ridiculous. All right, moving on. Virginia National Guard responds after Democrat lawmakers suggest it may be needed to enforce gun control measures. <laughs> okay, so I have often joked that uh, Virginia is the New York of the South. And in many reasons, that is true. (laughs) This is one such thing. So uh, basically, Virginia has uh, went blue. All right. So a lot of Democrats got elected in Virginia. And now they want to start pushing gun control and gun confiscation and everything. And then one of them was so dumb as to say (laughs) that Governor Ralph Northam may have to nationalize the National Guard to enforce the law may have to nationalize the national guard. Well, um, yeah, I guess you can do that. Well, the national guard had to respond back. was like, well, we're not going to speculate what we would do. <laughs> so we got to have this discussion again. Okay. Now, what was it? A few years ago, reason did a pretty good article of what, gun confiscation would look like nationwide. Unfeasible (laughs) would be a word you could use to describe it. Okay. So for a single state, like Virginia, come out and say, Mr. and Mrs. Virginia, turn them in. You're going to have a lot that will, sure. You'll have some. But you're going to have a vast majority who will not. They will not turn them in under any circumstances whatsoever. So much so that even though no laws have actually been passed yet, a lot of counties in Virginia have all said, we are now Second Amendment sanctuary counties. And sure, a lot of them are, you know, resolutions only. They don't really mean anything. They're non-binding in any kind of way. Sure, that can happen. But in this case, you know, almost to the point where we kind of joke and say, well, if if the Boogaloo, the ice cream social, the Burlington Coat Factory employee Christmas party, whatever we're calling it this week, uh, you know, if that does actually kick off, this is what it will look like. And even that one kid up in New York who allegedly had a red flag law served on him. You know, people came from out of town, you know, to quote, come to his aid, right? If you don't think people would pack up and go to Virginia, National Guard ain't gonna be enough. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's literally all I got to say about that. 
National Guard will not be enough. Now, as uh, further evidence of what I'm talking about, switch it down to a local story. Uh, and these are headed up by the guys over at Disenthrall, the DFW anarchists. Uh, this is a story out of Dallas. This is on the libertarianinstitute.org. I have one article at the Libertarian Institute, and only one. <laughs> and probably will be the only one for the foreseeable future. But uh, it, it, it is still there, actually. But uh, this headline from Matt Agarist, December 10th, Since feeding the homeless is illegal, activists carry AR-15s to give out food and supplies. That's right. So Dallas, Texas. Uh, feeding and clothing the homeless in the land of the free has now become a revolutionary act. Luckily, however, there are still good people willing to carry that act out. And in December 2014, the city of Dallas enacted an ordinance which makes it illegal to serve food to the homeless without jumping through a myriad of bureaucratic hoops, including a fee, training, and written notices. Because how dare you interrupt the monopoly that we have on caring for the poor and driving around town here in Dallas? Homeless people are at every intersection. Every one of them. So I can tell you right now, if they are taking care of the poor, they're doing a poor job of it. Right? Because government can't do it. It can't. But the story continues. One should not feel need to file multiple forms and pay a fee to obtain a permit to give food to those in need who are willingly ready to accept it. The folks that don't comply know this. I guess that's the name of the group. Uh, over the weekend, the aptly named organizations don't comply, and dozens of volunteers from children to adults alike took to the streets of Dallas to hand out food, sleeping bags, clothing, and tents, and the area is less fortunate. As the TFTP has reported on numerous occasions, oftentimes police will swoop in and shut down those who will dare defy the authority of the state and conduct charity without a permit. However, most organizations are not like don't comply. As they took to the streets this weekend, many of the members of the organization open-carried their weapons. This was done not out of an act of intimidation, but merely to assert rights as well as protect them. The resultant heavily armed group of do-gooders effectively staved off any attempts by police to shut down the charitable efforts. We're there. We're there at this point. Where if you want to do something out of the kindness of your own heart, you're going to have to be armed to do so to ensure that the enforcers of politicians' rules don't come in there and arrest you. Think about that for a moment. I want to help this poor person out. And I'm not allowed to without paying a fee and filling out a bunch of permission slips. I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, helping somebody who was less fortunate than I, and the person who was less fortunate than I was willing to accept my help, that's voluntary. Nobody is being harmed in that transaction. But you could be handing out tainted food. Mm, yeah, probably. Why? Why would I do that? Sure. Okay, we'll take your sake of the argument. Granted, there might be a shithead out there who would try to poison somebody else's food because they saw them as less than. I know people who have left out little trays of antifreeze to kill cats. Yeah, maybe there's a scumbag out there like that. He's not doing it in front of a group of people. Hey, got you some Gatorade. And as a human being, <laughs> you know, you're not a dumb animal who's just going to go and start drinking something because it's liquid. And it might have a funny taste to it. A human being would take a one swig of something like that and would go, ugh, what is this? 
Well, he's giving you antifreeze, hoping that your kidneys would fail on you overnight. Yeah, yeah, you'll be welcome to the Christmas party, all right? <laughs> Please. And I like how the government projects its own insecurities onto people. <laughs> you know? Well, somebody may poison them. Okay, like you haven't been doing all this time? The city of Dallas has a water report. Read it if you want to. There's a reason why when I go to the grocery store, like the gallons of spring water are usually the first things to go. There's a reason for that. I turn on my tap here, and it smells like a pool from all the chlorine that's in there. <laughs> Sickening. Well, somebody ought to, would probably do something mean to those poor people. No. Just there to help out. Oh, what's that? It's a mid-roll read. <sighs> okay, so. That being said, what can we learn as libertarian anarchists, voluntarist agorists, from the, from the three stories that we have? Okay, number one. Libertarians are anti-war. Correct? We can agree that being anti-war is probably one of the most important topics that we come across. This thing with Afghanistan further cements that as being anti-war is the best position. Because think about it. Let's go all the way back to 2001. A crime was committed in New York City where planes were flown into a couple of buildings and three buildings fell. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> they say that one guy was responsible for that attack. They say Osama bin Laden did it. The Taliban, who was in charge of most of Afghanistan at the time, notice how I didn't say all of Afghanistan, most of it? Because Afghanistan is so diverse that not any one particular group controls the whole thing. It's just a place. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you go from that mountain to that mountain, that's, that's Afghanistan. Okay, well, who are these people? Well, you know, those people speak that kind of language. These people speak that kind of language. It's not one cohesive culture. It's not one cohesive unit. There's many different cultures within that area. Can't really call it a country. can't really call it a nation state. If you control Kabul, then you control Kabul. You don't really control everything else. So stupid. But, you know, U.S. government comes out and says, hey, Osama bin Laden was the one responsible for this. Taliban, who are like the spokespeople, <laughs> who controlled a you know, good portion of Afghanistan, come out and said, okay, great, we don't like Osama bin Laden. Show us the proof. If you can show us the proof that he did the thing that you said that he did, we will get him for you and bring him to you. All right. Now, any logical thinking person would say, oh, well, I guess we don't have to run a bombing campaign to try and smoke the guy out or, you know, smoke the guy, I guess. Um, and they said they know where he's at right now and will gladly go and pick him up and show him the door because they don't like him. 
man, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Sure. Here's all the proof that we have. Go get him. We'll try him in our courts. Thank you very much. You might get some foreign aid out of this. You know, even use the, the status reason for it. Nope, that's not what George Bush and company did. No, no, no. We don't negotiate with terrorists. We got to go in there and mercilessly bomb your country back to the Stone Age. But we are already in the Stone Age. Well, even more into the Stone Age. <laughs> you know, George Bush ran on a whole campaign of no nation building. Boy, that lasted a year. Not even. Nine months. Okay, going on to the second story. Libertarian topics that we can glean from this. Alright. I got the right to defend myself. That right comes from the fact that I am a human being. That right wasn't given to me by a government. It can't be taken away from me by a government. I have that right because I exist. You know, for you Christians out there, I have that right because God breathed life into my lungs. Okay? It didn't need to be codified on a piece of paper that doesn't mean anything. Because as we can tell, all Lysander Spooner's quotes aside, that contract isn't worth the piece of paper it's written on. Because people will go and just do what they want anyways. But let's take it even to a property rights issue. I've got the right to own a gun because it's my property. I bought it. You can't take away my property by force. It violates the non-aggression principle. It violates my property rights. Both things very unlibertarian, very unliberty. So stupid. And then you're going to say, oh, by the way, we're not just going to get the cops to come over and take your guns. We're going to get military to come over and take your guns. Because we said so. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you send cops and military to the doorstep of regular people, be prepared. Because the level of gun violence that you've shed crocodile tears over goes up exponentially. So send your modern-day redcoats. See what happens. Ball's in your court. You're going to make your rules and force them. Third one. Feeding the homeless and having to be armed to do so to ensure that the state's enforcers don't come and mess with you. This is a voluntary action. People coming around and helping out their neighbors. Their neighbors, who are not as fortunate as they are, are willingly accepting the help. This involves nobody else. Nobody is being abused by this. Nobody is being mistreated by this. There's no victim here. There's no need for police, state, city, local government to be involved in any kind of way. 
And it is a shame that people have to show up armed to the teeth to make sure that it happens. Once again, helping the poor is a very great idea. Good ideas don't require force. Real crimes get committed all day long, every day. People's property gets stolen. People get beaten. People get killed. These are the things, if we needed police officers, this is the thing that they should be doing. Investigating actual property crimes. Where there is a victim. Just because a city council sits back and says, oh, by the way, um, we don't take enough in taxes, so if you guys could just pay us a fee and fill out a permission slip to help poor people, that'd be great. Thanks. Police officers, you're human beings too. At least I like to think that you are. Maybe if a city councilman says, hey, by the way, that group over there, that's handing out tents and backpacks and stuff to poor people. Stop them. You know, that is now your time to come back and say, no, nobody's being harmed. I'm not going to waste my time by going after those folks because they violated some stupid policy that you have in place. But that's not cops of today. All right, I'll go over there and hassle them. Gah, the guy in the suit told me to come over here. <laughs> and that's how that's how we view you. Just a big old dumb oaf. Just doing what you're told to do. And not questioning it in any kind of way. So silly. All right, so now to address something uh, that uh, has been brought up to my attention here recently. Anti-war or collapsitarian, pick one. So the supposition is because I make jokes about the boogaloo or being a collapsitarian or, um, you know, going off on a screed with uh, Keep It Real Luke from Biting the Bullet podcast on Twitter, just kind of coming up with all the crazy names for the boogaloo, somehow equates it to me being the John Bolton of collapsitarians. You fucking insane. I don't want it to happen any more than anybody else. Yeah, I can poke fun at it. I can laugh at it. I can make silly little jokes about it. You are correct. So one time I posted a meme into, uh, was that the Liberty Memes group or the, uh, the Mises Caucus group on Facebook? And it showed a very happy American Bull Terrier uh, to what you uh, ninnies out there call them pit bulls. And it is running around just having a blast. And a tree is on fire right behind it. And in the meme, I had posted text over the fiery tree to say, Keynesian economics leading to uh, economic collapse. 
or something to that effect. And then the happy dog right in front of it running around, collapsitarians. Now, I have noticed this with uh, libertarian groups. I can post something that is genuinely funny. People will literally laugh out loud. Or I might get a sensible chuckle. I don't know yet. Somebody look in the meme and go, <laughs> and then, you know, slide on down to go look at the next meme, right? But no, there's always this small little segment that then has to break apart my joke and say how not funny it is. Fuck you! It's a goddamn joke. Either laugh or don't. If the joke isn't for you, scroll on by. Why then post paragraph after paragraph of how I'm wrong for joking about something? Get the fuck over yourself. It's meant to be funny. Do you think I'm really going out there and, like, advocating... That every time that a police officer pulls you over for speeding, have your gun ready? No. So stupid. Why even... Like, if I saw a meme that I didn't think was all that funny, guess what I'm doing? Scrolling on by. It's like, oh, well, that wasn't a good effort. You know, when I post a meme, you know, I'm trying to do it to get somebody to laugh about a situation. All right, that's it. I've posted some really dumb memes before. And yeah, you know, not all of them are hilarious, slap your knee kind of funny, but, uh, you know, the majority are. But I've noticed this, especially in libertarian circles, there's always going to be that one guy who's going to overanalyze it. And then start writing paragraph after paragraph after paragraph about why it's not funny. And why, as a libertarian, you shouldn't be for this type of thing. Starting the whole libertarian purity test bullshit. Get fucking bent. Okay? <laughs> it's a joke. Take it as a joke. If you don't think it's funny, scroll past. Go find something else. Better ways to utilize your time than to type a strongly worded response to my meme or my joke. Ugh, insufferable. All right, so that's going to bring us to the end of this week. <laughs> uh, so end of the year, because what do we got? This one is going to be out on December the 18th. Oh, next week is Christmas. Will I have one out on Christmas? Yeah, I'll probably have one out on Christmas. Will it be released on Christmas? That I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll play it by ear. Oh, and then it's going to be New Year's right after that. Hmm. I don't know. Might have to get a guest on for that one. We'll see. But uh, anyways, if you could, it would do me a giant favor if you would rate, subscribe, review, all those type of things, because uh, the algorithms do love it when you do that kind of thing. It gets the podcast in front of new people. Recommend it to a friend if you got friends. Unless you're the people on Facebook who tear apart my jokes. 
then you have no friends. Um, <laughs> uh, if you want to support the show, please, by all means, do so. I have several different links down below on how to do that. Uh, I have a Teespring store. You know, I got T-shirts, coffee mugs, hats. I got the Patreons. I got the PayPal's. Got the Bitbackers. Got the Subscribe Stars. I got all that stuff. Man, it's been a tough week. But hopefully next week it'll get better. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. But anyways, guys, take it easy. Until next week, out. Out.